Very good to see you. If you will, turn with me to the book of Ezekiel, chapter 1. Now, it's a long book, and we are going to go through it, not verse by verse, but we're going to cover most every chapter, and I hope that you'll have a great appreciation for this wonderful prophet that we don't see too much. Now, we probably all of us would remember and know Ezekiel 37 about the Valley of Dry Bones. That's probably the most famous passage in the book of Ezekiel. But there's lots of other passages in here that I think you're going to really enjoy learning about and studying about. Ezekiel, his name means God strengthens. God had a task for Ezekiel to do. And Ezekiel needed the strength of God to carry it out. You know, God's got a task for us too, doesn't he? All of us, each one of us, needs the strength of God to do what he's called us to do. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God. We need God's strength. We need his presence, and we'll talk about that as we go through the message tonight. Let's look, first of all, in verses 1 through 3 about Ezekiel's vision of heaven. And I'll give you the point after we read. Now it came to pass, in the 30th year, in the fourth month, on the fifth day of the month, as I was among the captives by the river Kibar, that the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. On the fifth day of the month, which was in the fifth year of King Jehoiachin's captivity, the word of the Lord came expressly to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, in the land of the Chaldeans, or that's another word for Babylonians, by the river Kibar, and the hand of the Lord was upon him there. Let's pause and pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for the privilege of being together tonight. Thank you for the uh, other meetings that are going on throughout these buildings. And we pray that you would be with each and every group that's meeting tonight. And Lord, we're grateful that we could be here in the chapel to sing these wonderful songs of the faith, to pray, to fellowship, and to spend time in your word. So, Lord, we pray as we study your word tonight that you, precious Holy Spirit, would be our teacher. We need you to help us understand your word and to apply it to our lives. Thank you for this great book called Ezekiel. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts through the power of your living word by your Holy Spirit. We pray in Jesus' sweet name. Amen. All right, point number one in your outline is this. Ezekiel's vision changed him. Ezekiel's vision changed him. We'll see that as we go through this chapter, but I want you to see that Ezekiel was a man who was going to have a special purpose in God's economy of what he was doing in the world. I'll tell you a little more in a minute about why he was where he was, but Ezekiel was a great man of God. And because God had a great task for him to do, he started out by showing him a vision of heaven. 
Now, Ezekiel isn't the only one of the Old Testament prophets in particular who had these wonderful, magnificent visions of heaven. My thought immediately went to Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6. You remember that passage well. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Isaiah saw the Lord in his temple, and it was a life-changing experience for Isaiah. Also, Jeremiah. He also had an experience with God. It's not expressly called a vision in Jeremiah chapter 1, but he had an encounter with God where God called him to do a special work in Jerusalem. And and, uh, Jeremiah said, I can't do that. I'm just a child. And God said, Jeremiah, I'm going to put my word in your mouth. And that gave Jeremiah the confidence that he needed by the power of God to do what God called him to do. You remember Moses who was out there on the backside of the desert. And one day he looked over there at the bush that was burning but not being burned up. And God spoke to him out of that bush and said, Moses, take off your shoes because the place that you're standing is holy ground. Moses, one of the great figures in the Old Testament, he started his walk with God in that way. And the call that God gave him was with a vision of the power, the majesty, and the plan and purpose of God for his life. You and I, as people long removed from those Old Testament prophets, still need a vision of God. We still need to hear from God. We still need to worship God. We still need to have those special encounters with God that will change our lives. Now, if you know the Lord, you've had an encounter with him that changed your life. If you're born again, the Bible says that uh, you're a new creature. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. But that first initial salvation experience, I trust, is not the only time that you have had a wonderful, life-changing encounter with the Lord because He continues to want us to love Him, to deepen our walk with Him, to serve Him faithfully, and to know Him more intimately. I'm very challenged when I think about the Apostle Paul who had been a Christian and an apostle for some 30 years, and yet he wrote in Philippians chapter 2, chapter 3 rather, that I may know him, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Here was an apostle who at the latter stages of his life was still hungering and thirsting for righteousness, still wanting to have those vital encounters with the Lord. that I may know him, know him more personally, know him more deeply, know him more powerfully. So if Paul needed it, then certainly you and I do as well. Well, what about this man named Ezekiel? What is there about him that we learn in these first few verses? First of all, we see, if you have your outline there handy, letter D, I just gave you three little words to uh, write in tonight. I kind of gave you a break on that. I hope you uh, can fill in just those three words and just enjoy reading the rest of it. But uh, letter D in your outline under point number one, Ezekiel went from being a priest to a prophet. He was a priest, that is, he was of the tribe of Levi, because you had to be a Levite to be a priest. And he was one of only three Old Testament prophets who also were priests. Jeremiah was one and Zechariah was the other, and then Ezekiel. So he was a priest who had not yet begun to function as a priest in Jerusalem because he was now in Babylon. 
How did Ezekiel get to Babylon? Well, it's a very interesting story. God had sent his people through the leadership of Joshua into the promised land. God warned them not to make alliances with the pagan people who lived in the promised land, but they did not listen to God. They immediately embraced foreign gods, uh, all the different things that went along with that. God sent them various leaders, sometimes called judges, other times called prophets, to warn them, if you don't repent and turn your back on all of these idols and all that you're doing, God is going to judge you. And he did. He judged them from time to time, but then he eventually sent prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah and uh, Zechariah and others to tell them, you had better repent or God is going to destroy the city of Jerusalem. He is going to destroy the temple where he manifests his presence. Well, the people did not believe him. In fact, the prophecy of Jeremiah is basically all about how God called Jeremiah to preach in Jerusalem, but God said, even though I call you to preach and I want you to preach and I want you to be faithful, they're not going to listen to what you have to say. And they didn't. So God eventually raised up the Babylonians to come to destroy the city of Jerusalem and the temple and to carry off thousands of the inhabitants of Jerusalem. When Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, came into power and, uh, and started invading Judea, he would take various people back with him to Babylon as prisoners of war. In the first group was a young man named Daniel. He had three friends. We know them as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They went in some of the first group there to Babylon as captives. Some years passed. Nebuchadnezzar came back again to Jerusalem. And this time, he took not just a handful of people. He took 10,000 people who lived in Jerusalem and thereabouts back to Babylon and he put them in a camp by themselves. And this is where Ezekiel was taken captive. He was in that group of 10,000 who were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and his army over to Babylon. And when Ezekiel has this vision of God, he is by a river called the Kibar, which is a, a branch off of the Euphrates River that ran right through the middle of Babylon. And he is about to get a call from God, not as a prophet in Jerusalem and in Judea, but as a prophet to the Jews who were in Babylon. So Ezekiel is a man of God who is in a POW camp, and he is about to have a vision that will change his life. He was planning all of his life to enter the priesthood because he was a priest, but now God has a different role for him or an additional role for him, and that is also to be a prophet. The function of a prophet in ancient Israel was to speak the truth of God to the people of God, to tell them to repent, and if they did not, what would happen to them 
if they did not repent. That's what they did mostly. Now, they also told the future in other ways. Isaiah, for example, gave us many wonderful prophecies about the Messiah who would come. They'd be born of a virgin, and he would die on the cross and so on. But uh, Ezekiel is one of those many men, uh, prophets, who in the first part of the book anyway, is speaking about what's happening now in Israel, in Judea, and in Jerusalem. The first half of this book, in fact, is, is Ezekiel preaching to the, uh, to the exiles in Babylon of what's going on in Jerusalem. Now, he's going to tell them the truth. There were false prophets who came along and said, what Ezekiel is saying to you is not true. And in Jerusalem, they were saying about Jeremiah, what Jeremiah is saying to you is not true. Jeremiah and Ezekiel were ministering at the same time. Jeremiah in Jerusalem, Ezekiel in Babylon. So they are preaching the word of God. Men would say, false prophets would say to, to um, Jeremiah, don't listen to anything and about Jeremiah. Don't listen to anything Jeremiah says. This is God's city. This is where the temple is. This is where the presence of God is. God would never allow anybody, especially a pagan nation like Babylon, to destroy our city and take us captive. He just wouldn't do that. Well, God did because the people would not repent. He warned them over and over again, and finally it happened. So Ezekiel is a priest and also a prophet. He was held captive there in Babylon, and this vision caused him to fall on his face before God. Turn over with me to the last verse in, the, in this chapter, and I want you to see with me at the end of uh, this verse, at the very end of the verse, it says, So when I saw it, I fell on my face, and I heard a voice of one speaking. Here is Ezekiel, who's had this great vision, and what does he do? He falls on his face because he recognizes he is in the presence of a holy and righteous God and all he can do is fall down because the people here are going to need a message from God and because they're going to need the message that Ezekiel is going to preach to them, Ezekiel needs to have this vision of God and the vision of heaven before he begins his ministry. Ezekiel was a man who had this vision that changed him. Secondly, Ezekiel's vision not only changed him, it also enlightened him. He saw some things in heaven that he didn't know were going on. And if you and I could get a vision of heaven tonight, I'm sure we'd see something similar. We'd see some things that we didn't know were going on in heaven. The Bible does give us some clues about what's happening in heaven right now and what we'll do one day up there. But Ezekiel saw some things that were just incredible. And he describes them for us here in the rest of this chapter. And he can't really find the right words. So he uses the word like a lot. Or it appeared in this way. Because that's the closest he can come to having the words to be able to express what he actually saw. So what did he see? First of all, he sees the appearance of living creatures. Look with me at verses 4 through 11. Then I looked, and behold, a whirlwind was coming out of the north. 
a great cloud with raging fire engulfing itself, and brightness was all around it and radiating out of its midst like the color of amber out of the midst of the fire. Now then, let me say this as an aside. What are you seeing there is a vision where it is speaking of the Babylonian army that is coming to Jerusalem as a whirlwind, as a storm that is going to invade Jerusalem once again. They've been invaded twice already, but they're going to be invaded again in order that God's prophecies through his prophets would be fulfilled in that the people refused to repent. Now verse 5. Also from within it came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. They looked like a human being. Each one had four faces. Now wait a minute, Ezekiel. I've never seen a man that's got four faces. Have you? I've seen people who act two-faced sometimes. <laughs> but, uh, but I've never seen anybody that's got four faces. So he said it looked like a man. It's not really a man. It's a cherubim. But uh, we'll see this. He calls them living creatures. Each one had four faces and each one had four wings. Their legs were straight. That means they didn't have knees. <laughs> they just straight. And the soles of their feet were like the soles of calves' feet. That is, hooves, so that they could move around easy. They sparkled like the color of burnished bronze. So these living creatures, they get his attention just by the way they look. Verse 8, the hands of a man were under their wings on their four sides, and each of the four had faces and wings. Their wings touched one another. The creatures did not turn when they went, but each one went straight forward. As for the likeness of their faces, each had the face of a man, each of the four had the face of a lion on the right side, each of the four had the face of an ox on the left side, and each of the four had the face of an eagle. Thus were their faces. Their wings stretched upward. Two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. And we'll stop right there. That's the appearance. We'll go to the actions here in just a moment. But this is what they looked like. These are living creatures, the likes of which Ezekiel had never seen before, and he's trying to describe them to us. Each one looked like a man in that he had legs and stood upright. Each one had four wings. With two wings, they stretched the two wings up and out like this, and we'll see in a minute. With the other two wings, they covered themselves. And they each had four faces. They had the face of a man, and that's the face that faced forward. On the right side was the face of a lion. On the back side, the, uh, rather, wait a minute, let me get that right. Which way was it? On the right side, the lion, each had four uh, faces on the left side. Yeah, the, the ox is on the left side, and then the eagle is in the back. So you've got a lion and an ox on each side and an eagle face in the back. So what's the significance of all of those different animals, including man? Well, the, the lion 
is known as the king of the beasts, so that is the strongest of the creatures, wild animals on the earth. The ox would be the strongest and representative of the domesticated animals on the earth. And the eagle would be the representative of all of the flying animals on the earth. So this is a picture of God having dominion over all of the creatures of the earth. And we'll see that more uh, in just a moment. But these creatures are also identified for us in Ezekiel chapter 10. And they are very similar to the creatures, the living creatures that John saw in the Revelation in John chapter 4, verses 6 and 7. He also saw living creatures, and they also had faces like these have. And so he says in verse 11, Thus were their faces, their wings stretched upward, two wings of each one touched one another, and two covered their bodies. Okay, that is the appearance. Let's look at their actions. What did they actually do? And each one went straight forward. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go. Now, the Spirit is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who is leading these living creatures. They went wherever the Spirit wanted to go, and they did not turn when they went. For uh, As for the likeness of the living creatures, their appearance was like burning coals of fire, like the appearance of torches going back and forth among the living creatures. The fire was bright, and out of the fire went lightning. Now that speaks of the holiness and purity of God. This fire, this lightning, a fire in the Bible represents uh, several different things, but certainly the holiness of God, the purity of God, the judgment of God as well. And the living creatures ran back and forth in appearance like a flash of lightning. Now, as I looked at the living creatures, behold, a wheel was on the earth beside each living creature uh, with its four faces. The appearance of the wheels and their workings was like the color of beryl, and all four had the same likeness. The appearance of their workings was, as it were, a wheel in the middle of a wheel. And when they moved, they went toward any one of the four directions. They did not turn aside as they went. As for their rims, they were so high, they were awesome. Awesome rims. Don't you think that's cool? And their rims were full of eyes all around the four of them. That is a, it is a picture of the omnipotence or the, uh, the way that God sees the all-knowing uh, virtue of God that he sees all as well. When the living creatures went, the wheels went beside them. And when the living creatures were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up. Whenever the spirit wanted to go or wherever, they went because there the spirit went. And the wheels were lifted together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. When they went, those went. Uh, rather, when those went, these went. And when those stood, these stood. And when those were lifted up from the earth, the wheels were lifted up together with them for the spirit of the living creatures was in the wheels. Now, let me see if I can paint the picture for you here. What you've got are four living creatures. They're standing sort of in a square. You've got one on this side, one on this side, one on the other side, and then one in the front. So they're moving, but they never turn like this. They don't ever turn from side to side. When they move, they move together as a unit, and they go like this. 
or they go forward, or they go that way, or maybe they go off to an angle. But they never have to turn because they have a face on each side of their body. So they can see wherever they're going. And they, they are led by the Spirit. Their wings touch each other. Each of them has four wings, and two of those four wings on each of them, they spread out like this, and they touch the other living creatures that are in this box together in this square together with them. So they're moving. They even uh, rise up and they do that when the spirit leads them to do so. Now, what about the wheels? It's a little bit hard to understand the wheels. What does it mean when it says uh, one wheel was inside the other? Well, what it means is that they were at 90 degree angles. So here's a wheel that is this way, pointed this way, and another one that's like this. And so when they would move to my right, this wheel would move this way. This wheel would. You get that? This is a wheel. And uh, when they move forward, this wheel would, would move forward. Or if they went backward, that one would go. So it's very uh, fascinating to see that Ezekiel was seeing all of this. He didn't really understand at that moment probably what all this meant, but he was seeing it. I think probably if I or probably if any one of us had a similar vision we, we might be confused. What in the world am I seeing here? What is God trying to show me? And here is Ezekiel, able by the Spirit of God to recall all of this and inspired, wrote it down, and I'm glad that he did because this gives us a magnificent picture of the, wonderful and, uh, of the wonder and beauty of heaven. So that's a word about the appearance, then a word about the actions, and now thirdly, uh, under point number two, uh, what were their sounds? What was going on here? Verse 22, the likeness of the firmament above the heads of the living creatures was like the color of an awesome crystal stretched out over their heads. So that means that it was clear. So there was something over their heads. It's called a firmament. It is the same word that Moses used in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 6, when he spoke about the sky or the firmament. It's the very same word. So Ezekiel here sees these four living creatures, and he's described them, and he says, now there's something else that I saw, and it's a firmament. Something was over their head, and it was clear like crystal. And then look at verse 23, and under the firmament, their wings spread out straight one toward another. Each one had two which covered one side, and each one had two which covered the other side of the body. When they went, I heard the noise of their wings like the noise of many waters, like the voice of the Almighty, that's God, a tumult like the noise of an army. And when they stood still, they let down their wings. A voice came from above the firmament that was over their heads, and whenever they stood they let down their wings. This voice that Ezekiel hears is the voice of God. It is very similar to the voice, in fact, exactly alike, the voice that John heard when he was, had that, when he was called up into heaven in John chapter 4 and saw there what was happening in heaven and, and before that even when he saw the Lord Jesus in, in Revelation chapter 1 when uh, he fell on his face as though he were dead because the resurrected Christ was in front of him. And when Jesus spoke, it was like the voice of many waters. 
I often think about the Niagara Falls roar that I heard when I was up there. I've been up there a couple of times. It is just amazing to be that close to those falls and to hear the water just rushing over uh, those falls and making such a loud noise. It's just deafening. If you get up close enough to it, you just can hardly hear yourself think. But that's what I think of when I hear these uh, descriptions of the voice of God, like the voice of many waters, a thunder that you could not mistake that it was the voice of God. And this is what Ezekiel is hearing. He needed to hear the voice of God. And don't you and I as well. We need to hear the voice of God. Maybe not loud like a rolling thunder, but we need to hear that still, small voice that God will speak to our hearts. We need to hear his voice as we open his word and hear his word preached and taught. And as we read it, we need to hear the voice of God. We cannot do without hearing the voice of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Have your breakfast every morning on the word of God. Feast on this bread of life that God has entrusted to us. He has given you at least one Bible. Read that Bible. Saturate your life with the word of God. God is showing Ezekiel how marvelous and powerful he is. He is speaking to Ezekiel. Ezekiel's vision changed him. Ezekiel's vision enlightened him. He learned some things about heaven that he didn't know before. But thirdly and finally, Ezekiel's vision revealed God's glory to him. Ezekiel's vision revealed God's glory to him. Look at the last three verses here of this chapter. And above the firmament, over their heads, was the likeness of a throne, in appearance like a sapphire stone. On the likeness of the throne was a likeness with the appearance of a man high above it. Also, from the appearance of his waist and upward, I saw, as it were, the color of amber with the appearance of fire all around within it. And from the appearance of his waist and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire with brightness all around. Like the appearance of a rainbow in the cloud on a rainy day, so was the appearance of the brightness all around it. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. Here is really the climax of this first chapter where Ezekiel is having this vision of God where he sees all of these marvelous, magnificent aspects of heaven, these living creatures, and describes them to us. He sees how they move, and he sees the spirit that moves them up and down and back and forth and around. And then he sees this firmament, and on this firmament, this, this platform type thing that's above these uh, living creatures, he gets to the end of the chapter, and he says, 
on that firmament, I see a throne. And on that throne, I see the likeness of a man. And behind that throne, I see the likeness of a rainbow. Ezekiel was learning and being revealed to by God that God is still on his throne, that God is still there over all, and that God is a promise keeper. This throne speaks of the power of God, the man who is a representative of God himself, the man speaks of the presence of God, and the rainbow, of course, speaks of the promise of God. The throne always stands for authority and power. A lot of the Jews who were over in Babylon at that time were wondering, what is going to happen to us? Where is God? Has he abandoned us? We are away from our home. We don't know what's going to happen to us. We were in Jerusalem. We were living fine. But now, God, these Babylonians have come and taken us away. Where's God? Why doesn't he do something? Why isn't he here? They did not have hope. The first half of this book is about the judgment of God that's about to fall on Jerusalem. It had not yet fully fallen. But Ezekiel is God's prophet to preach to these people there to tell them what is going to happen in Jerusalem. But they are not to despair. They are not to be discouraged. They are not to be disappointed. God has not abandoned them. God is still on his throne. God is still a God of power. God is still a God who keeps his promises. And what he promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and others, he will fulfill. And God is still a God of power. He is still a God of authority. He is still a God who keeps his promises. And that's the message we need today. Just as much as those ancient Hebrews over in Babylon needed in their day. We're living in treacherous times. What, were, what would happen next? What's going to happen next? We don't know. God does. A lot of bad stuff is happening on the international scene, domestically. Inflation is way up. People are threatening wars. What if Russia invades Ukraine? What if China takes over Taiwan? What's going to happen? Only God knows, but what we can know for sure is that God is still on his throne. God is still a God of power and love. He is in authority. He is powerful, and he keeps his promises.